begin a new series tonight on the authority of the believer. Would anybody in here agree with me that we need to know and use our God-given authority as believers? You know, there's too many people, too many believers that suffer from a lack of knowledge. Doesn't the Bible say my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge? And I would dare say, if I were to ask you when you were maybe first a Christian, perhaps you grew up in a good Christian home. But if I were to ask you, how many of you, when you were first a believer, maybe many years ago, ever heard anything about the authority of the believer? There'd probably be a lot of people that said, no, I did not hear anything about the authority of the believer. Some Christians just have this idea that, you know, our Christian walk is what will may, what will be, will be. Whatever comes, comes. And with that kind of lack of knowledge, the enemy just runs havoc over a lot of believers. Do you know anybody that loves Jesus with all of their heart, but they're always defeated? They're always down. They're always under some sort of attack. And they're just falling prey to the devices of the enemy. That's not God's will. He is a defeated foe. And there's other Christians that talk about the devil like he's way up here. He's got so much power. The big, bad, evil devil. And it's like there's a reverence for all the stuff that he is doing. Sometimes we get our praises mixed up like this little lady in the church on, on Sunday nights, particularly in the denomination I grew up in, maybe the one you did too, but Sunday nights, they always had testimony service. And a lot of times that was good, sometimes not so good. So this one little lady got up to say, uh, I just, uh, she said, the devil's been after me all week. Bless his holy name. Well, you know, she got her blessings mixed up. But in reality, some Christians, they have this holy awe for the devil. That he can do more than God. That's not true. That's not scriptural. We don't have to reverence the devil. He is our enemy. He does raise up his ugly head. He is stirring things up in the earth. But for the believer who knows their authority in the name of Jesus, we can stop the attacks of the devil. He has been defeated and he's been defeated because of what Jesus has done to him and Jesus has authority over the devil because the father God gave it to him and Jesus gave it to the church so tonight as we begin this series I felt very impressed you know a lot of times when we're in prayer things comes up in our heart and on Wednesday as I was praying with the ladies this phrase was just going off on the inside of me like dynamite the most high God the most high God so I want to lay the foundation tonight for the source of our authority by exalting the most high God. I heard this statement. The value of our authority rests on the power that is behind it. The value of our authority 
rest on the power that is behind it. God himself is the power behind our authority. I think we ought to lift our hands right now and say, praise God. He's the most high God. There's no higher authority. There's no greater power. Amen. You know, I love the book of Psalms. I love all of the Bible. But Psalmist David had such revelation about who God is. And so I want to just start tonight by looking at some of these passages that declare him the most high God. Is that good with you? All right. Psalms 97 verse 9. We'll be looking at most of these in the New King James. This says, for you are Lord. Now just read this with me. Are most high above all the earth. You are exalted far above all gods. Don't we sing a song based on that scripture? God is the most high God. He is exalted far above all other gods. There are other gods in this world. There are other religions that worship other gods, but their gods are dead and their gods are way low. Muhammad is dead. Buddha is dead. Whoever else you want to name, they are dead and they never were high and lifted up. Our God is the only exalted God. He's the most high God. He's above all else. He's above politics. He's above a doctor's report. He's above Wall Street. He's above everything. The most high God. We honor and we respect people that are in positions of authority. If you weren't here when Patsy Caminetti was here, I encourage you to go and listen to, I believe it was Tuesday night. When she was talking about civil authority and how we pray for them and how we do honor them. We honor our government leaders. We honor law enforcement officers. But there's no man, there's no government that can take the place that only belongs to God. That's why we don't look to men. That's why they're not our source. His word is final authority. Another scripture in Psalms, Psalm 78, verse 35. I love this one too. Then they remembered that God was their rock. And then read this last phrase. And the most high God, their redeemer. Do you think it would be a good idea for the church To remember that God is our rock. He's a sure foundation in the time of trouble. You think it would be a good idea to remember that the most high God is our redeemer. He's redeemed us. 
from the curse of the law. He's redeemed us from poverty, sickness, and death. And what does the Bible say that we as the redeemed are supposed to do? Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. What are we supposed to be saying? My God is the most high God. I remember there is no other God like him. Hallelujah. He's my hope. I have my faith and my trust in him. In another place, the psalmist said, when my heart is overwhelmed, I go to the rock that is higher than I. You ever faced anything that made you feel overwhelmed? That you felt like you were shaken and that you might fall. You might just tremble under the weight of something coming against you. When those times come, do like he said, I'm going to remember the most high God. I'm going to remember he is my rock. Hallelujah. He is the final authority than this situation that I'm facing. It's not going to go the way that the devil's saying it's going to go. I am not going to fail. I am not going to crumble. I am not going to be destroyed because I am planted on the rock of my salvation. And he is my redeemer. He is the most high God. Is that where you run when you're in trouble? David said, when I, my heart is overwhelmed, I go to the rock. That's where we ought to all be abiding in the rock. We ought to be running unto the Lord. He is our refuge. He is our strength. He is the authority in my life. Don't you love Psalms 91? We'll just read a couple of the first two verses of Psalms 91. This is a good Psalm for us to be living in, in this day, for us to be abiding in, for us to be quoting on a regular basis. Psalm 91, he who dwells in the secret place, what's the next words of the most high shall abide under the shadow of the almighty verse two i will say of the lord he is my refuge and my fortress my god in him i will trust y'all let's just read that together again because it says we're supposed to say it i will say of the lord now read this with me he is my refuge and my fortress My God, in him I will trust. Hallelujah. We're trusting in the most high God because he's the final authority. He gets the last word. That's really what that means when we say the final authority. If you had a case in a court of law and they were, this person was saying this and that person was saying that, you know who gets the final word? It's the one in the highest authority. It would be the judge. The lawyer doesn't get the final word. This defendant doesn't get the final word. It's the judge that gets the final word. And our God in every case, he's never lost a case. Hallelujah. He's the final authority in our lives. Glory be to God. 
Now, I was just looking, just referencing in the word of God. And this is just a few of them places where the scripture said most high God. And I came across the account in the book of Daniel where the three Hebrew children in Daniel three, the three Hebrew children were thrown into the fiery furnace. And we know that they had an awesome outcome. Bible says they were delivered and there wasn't even the smell of smoke on them when they were taken out of the fiery furnace. And God, the final authority, will do that in our lives. We might find ourselves in the midst of a final, in the midst of a fiery furnace, but if we will look to Him, put our trust in Him, He's the deliverer. Hallelujah. He's the redeemer. So King Nebuchadnezzar, had witnessed this miraculous deliverance. And he had said in verse, well, in chapter three, he said something about that. He declared that any person that speaks against their God shall be cut off. And then he goes on to say, because there's no other God who can deliver in this way. But we want to pick up the story here in Daniel four, verse one. Nebuchadnezzar, the king, To all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in the earth, peace be multiplied to you. We want to continue reading through verse 3. I thought it good to declare the signs and the wonders that who? The most high God has worked for me. How great are his signs and how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and his dominion is from generation to generation. It's a good thing to declare his signs and his wonders, to speak of the goodness of the Lord, to let it be known what God has done in your life. That's a good thing. Testify of his goodness. And Daniel goes and he says his kingdom is everlasting to everlasting. And then he says his dominion is from generation to generation. And that stood out to me. Generation to generation. Ought to know that God is the most high God. Generation to generation. Ought to hear how wonderful God is. They ought to be able to experience the wonderful things God has done in your life. Pass it on to your children. Pass it on to your grandchildren. That there is no other God. Nebuchadnezzar decreed that. There's no other God. If you say anything against their God, you're in trouble because there's no other God that can deliver like the God of these Hebrew children. Hallelujah. Talk of the wonders of God over in Deuteronomy. And I'll just quote it for you in Deuteronomy chapter six. I believe it's verse seven that it tells us that we need to teach the word of God diligently to our children. Talk to them when you're sitting in your house, when you're walking in your way, when you're lying down, when you're rising up, speak the word. It's transferable. They need to know our God and they need to know what he has done in our lives. There is an antichrist spirit at work 
in the earth and in our nation. We're not glorifying the devil, but I mean, there is an attack in our schools and against our younger people to just nullify the fact that Jesus is Lord. Socialism is trying to reign in our land. This attitude of, well, the government will take care of us. The government is not God. Our kids need to be taught. You don't depend on a man. You don't depend on a system. You don't depend on a political party. God is God. Get your eyes on him. He is your source. God is above all else. Can I get a witness? He is the most high God. Teach it from generation to generation. You know, the kingdoms of this earth are going to pass away. Kings are going to go off of the scene. Presidents don't live forever. But our God, his dominion is from generation to generation. Lead that lasting legacy to your kids. And that we would not have our eyes on the political scene. Not have our eyes as nations being the final authority in the earth. They are not. I found this passage of scripture. I, I like this passage of scripture anyway. Isaiah chapter 40. But just a few of these verses in here. I find this very interesting. Because people are saying, you know, who's God? He's not really all that. But he replies. In verse 12 of Isaiah 40, and he said, Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? He measured the heaven with a span, and he calculated the dust of the earth in a measure. He weighed the mountains in the scale and the hills in a balance. Who has directed the spirit of the Lord? Or as his counselor has taught him, in, with, with whom did he take counsel and who instructed him and taught him in the path of justice? Who taught him knowledge? Who showed him the way of understanding? He's asking a question because people are saying, well, is God really God? Is he really big? Does he do this? Does he do that? And his response is, okay, let me ask you a few questions. Does God need a counselor? Did God have to have a board meeting before he created man? Did he need wisdom to know how to deal with it when man fell? No. And then he goes on. I like verse 14. He's so bold. We just read it, but let's look at that again. Who taught him the path of justice? Who taught him the knowledge? Who showed him the way of understanding? What do you think the answer is? The answer is... No one. He's saying, I didn't need man. I didn't need anybody's counsel. I'm the most high God. And then he goes on. He gets even a little bit more direct in verse 15. Behold, the nations are as a drop in a bucket. Woo. And they're counted as small dust on the scales. What is he saying? Well, he's saying... This nation that says, I, ooh, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. 
Iraq, big bad, all this stuff. He said they're a drop in the bucket. They're like a little piece of a Kleenex. A drop in the bucket. A flash in the pan. They're going to be here today and gone tomorrow. (laughs) It was a clean clinic. (laughs) They're nothing. And then he goes on down in verse 18. And he's getting it, driving this point home. To who then will you liken God? What likeness will you compare to him? Anybody know what the answer is? No one. No one. No God. No man. No government. No nation compares to our God. What is he? The most high God. Then he goes on down in verse 25. You can, I like this whole chapter. I'm just highlighting a bit. To whom then will you liken me? He gets more direct. Because before he's using the term God. And now he's saying me. Who then will you liken me? Or to whom shall I be equal? Says the Holy One. What do you think the answer is? No one. He's declaring I'm the most high God. I'm the authority behind the authority I'm delegating to you. And no one can touch me. And if you'll hook up with me, the wicked one cannot touch you either. Hallelujah. Woo, it's just a good reminder who we're hooked up with. We're hooked up with him, the creator of all things. Hallelujah. This is the one, the most high God who has authorized us to use his name. Authorized us to use his authority. We're authorized dealers. Of the name, the word, the power, the authority of the most high God. Hallelujah. Now let's go over to the New Testament. And let's just see. Because God delegated that power to Jesus. And in the weeks to come, we'll get into it in more in depth. But Jesus delegated his power and authority to his church, the body of Christ. And if we will walk in it, we'll walk in victory. We will establish the plan of God in our nation and on this earth. So let's look over at Luke chapter 10, verse 19. I want to read it first out of the King James Because you'll see why here. It says, Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Notice that power is used twice in that passage of scripture. But actually, in the original language, the first time that power was used there should have been authority. The new King James picked up on that and let's look at it in the new king james behold i give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all 
the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Is this passage talking about Jesus saying, I'm giving you the authority over literal serpents and snakes? Well, you know, he did over in Mark chapter 16. If we drink any deadly thing, if a serpent or a snake bites us, if they show up, we got authority in the name of Jesus that no hurt or no harm will come to us. But in reality, what Jesus was talking about here was the devil. In many passages over in the book of Revelation, it calls him that old serpent, the devil. He is known as the devil and we have authority over him. All of his cohorts, all his little imps, all the power of darkness. If Jesus was saying that the early church, his disciples had that kind of power. Do you think that we still need that power and that authority today in the time in which we live? Absolutely. He's saying, I am delegating authority to you. What does it mean to have delegated authority? I can't come up with a better illustration. Brother Hagan, our spiritual father, gave this one many years ago, and it still works today. We live in here in the Bay Area. We know what it's like to have traffic jams or perhaps an accident at an intersection and the, the light is out. And when that happens, all of a sudden, a police officer shows up. And there could be cars coming from four different directions. But because he has delegated authority from the law enforcement division he just boldly goes and steps out there in the intersection and he says stop to this one come to this one in whose name not in his name i mean he could be a teeny little guy he could weigh like 130 pounds and and you know a little little teeny one of those smart cars could smash him like a bug so he has no power in himself to hold those cars back but he does have authority and that's what delegated authority is we have to respect him because he's got on a badge he's in uniform and we know that he has been authorized to go out there and to direct traffic and if we don't respect him we're going to be in trouble but you and i have been delegated By the Lord Jesus Christ to use his name. We've been granted authority in three realms. Heaven, hell, and earth. And at the very mention of the name of Jesus, heaven stands at attention. At the very mention of his name, hell trembles. Demons tremble. When we say, I come at you in the name of Jesus. Because they remember what he did to them. He whooped up on them. He defeated them. So we can be just like that police officer. Things coming at us. All this junk going on around us. Hold up your hand and say, stop in the name of Jesus. Let's practice. Stop. In the name of Jesus, no further 
will you go? No more havoc will you cause in my life. Stop! In the name of Jesus, I command you to desist in your maneuvers against me, against the place where I work. Stop! In Jesus' name. Because we have that delegated authority. And sometimes we just have to say it with some spizzerinkdom. You know what that is? You got to get some boldness in your voice. Don't play tiddlywinks with the devil. Don't pet the devil. Smith Wigglesworth, a general in the Lord's army. Years ago, he lived in England and he was at this bus stop and he observed this woman walking up to the bus stop and this cute little dog was following behind her. And this little, she'd turn around every once in and say, honey, you can't go. You can't go with me. You got to go home. But that little dog just kept on following her. She got up to the bus stop. It was rubbing up against her leg and she's like, oh, sweetie. You can't go with mommy. You got to go home. You can't go on the bus. That little dog, because she'd reach down and pet it. Honey, you can't go. But she's petting it when she's saying it. You can't go. You can't go. Then all of a sudden, the bus pulled up. She turned around and to that sweet little puppy and she stomped her foot and said, Get! And that dog tucked its tail and went running home. And Smith Wigglesworth said without even thinking, he shouted out loud, that's the way you got to do the devil. You can't pet him. You can't reason with him. You can't say, oh, please, devil, let's have a truce. I won't bother you if you won't bother me. We can't reason with the devil. You can't pet sickness and disease and expect it to leave your body. Some people just bed down and bed up with sickness and disease. And they like the attention that they're getting from it. And they're laying in bed like, oh, and everybody's calling them. Oh, it's so terrible. Oh, petting it. And then hang up the phone. In Jesus' name, I'm healed. No, you can't do that. We love you. We'll agree with you. We'll be compassionate. But at some point, we got to rise up and we got to say, get Get in the name of Jesus. Sickness, you get. Let's practice that. Get in Jesus' name. Sickness, get out of here in the name of Jesus. Poverty, get in the name of Jesus. I'm not going to pet you anymore. I'm not going to be nice to you anymore. I'm going to use my God-given Thorn and put you on the run. Amen. Can you handle a few more verses here? Matthew 28. Again, Jesus speaking. And in the New King James, they got it right. Jesus came and he spoke to them, his disciples, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven. And on earth. What did he do with that authority? He transferred it to us. His body. The church. He's the head of the church. But we are his body. If the head 
has authority, guess what? So does the body. The head doesn't do anything without the body. At the close of this service tonight, there's not anybody that's going to leave their head sitting on the chair. Their head is going to go with them. Or their body's not going to say, well, you know, I think I'll stay here and wait for the next service and heads go rolling out. No, the head and the body are connected. What Jesus has, he's given to his body. Hallelujah. Think of it like that. You think Jesus has got peace? Woo. You think Jesus has got healing? Hallelujah. You think he's got love? What the head has, he has transferred it, delegated it to his body. But you and I have to accept it. We got to receive it. We got to claim it. We got to walk in it. So we've been given this. Jesus said, all authority is given unto me in heaven and earth. What are we supposed to do with it? Jesus talking to his disciples. Verse 19. What are we supposed to do with this? Go, go. Did you know in our English language, two thirds of God's name is go, go, do something with this delegated authority. Go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the father and the son and the Holy spirit, teaching them To observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of this age. What are we going to do with what he's given to us? We're going to teach and preach the gospel. We're going to make disciples. We're going to baptize people in water. We're going to get people baptized in the Holy Ghost. Because we are authorized dealers. Of God's power. Let's look at another scripture in Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10. I want to look at this out of the Amplified. I like how it just says this here. And we're, we're fixing to wind down here. We only got a couple more scriptures. In conclusion. <laughs> so that's what I'm saying tonight. Fixing. In conclusion. Be strong in yourself. Be strong in your education. Be strong in your vocation. Be strong in how many weights you can lift at the gym. Nothing wrong with any of that stuff, but that's not what he told us to be strong in. Be strong in the Lord. Be empowered through your union with him. Don't you love that? Empowered. Woo! People talk, use that word all the time in our society. Well, I want to be an empowered woman. I want to be empowered this. I want to be empowered through my union with him. Woo! I want to be empowered by being connected with the most high God. There's nothing in this world that can empower you, but more than the knowledge of your relationship. With him. And it says draw your strength from who? From him. 
that strength which his boundless might provides. It never said anything in there about being strong in yourself. It's in him. In him we live, move, and have our being. In him, hallelujah, we are empowered by being united with him. Some people say, I just can't do it. I cannot be strong in him. He would not ask us to do anything he hadn't equipped us to do. Some people say, I cannot live an overcoming life. I just can't be a good Christian. But he said, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. He said, I'm going to send you a helper. And he's called the Holy Ghost. And one of his names is he will be a strengthener. Hallelujah. He'll be your counselor. He'll be your might. He'll be what you need him to be. So don't ever say, I can't handle this. I can't do this. You can't, but he can. Hallelujah. Which leads me to my last and wonderful, awesome scripture. First John chapter four, verse four. We're still talking about authority. You see how this all ties together because it's him. That's given it to us. First John chapter four, verse four. You know, I want you just to participate. Let's read this together. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Who's in you? The greater one. Who is them that we have overcome? We have overcome the devil. We have overcome principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness of this world. There are things that are happening in the world. I'm not saying there isn't. There's darkness on every side. The demons of hell are like on a mission to destroy our nation. And if we could, if we wanted to, we could get fearful and we could cower down and say, oh man, things are so bad and it's so dark. But you and I are not to be children of the darkness. We are children of the light and the greater one lives in us. And what does this greater one do? Overcomes, overcomes. I have overcome them, them meaning the devil and all that pack that he runs with. He's overcoming And he said that we can overcome by the blood of the lamb 
and by the word of our testimony. You and I are not the overcome. We are the overcomers. We, hallelujah, are those that are more than conquerors. He's caused us to reign in this life, not have life raining down on us. So we need to take our place. We need to take our position in him and understand that the power of God that is at work in us is greater than the force of the evil one working in the world. We are commissioned to use our delegated authority in the name of Jesus to enforce Satan's defeat. To hold up our hand in the realm of the spirit and say, stop in Jesus name. Hallelujah. Are you ready to do that? Let's all stand. Glory be to God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah.